Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Boys, put down your utensils. I want to talk to you about something real quick. If there's anything that you want to talk about, any kind of secrets, now's the time to put it on the table, okay? And if you tell me, we're not going to be mad. This is Dirt and Sprague. I went to the petting zoo and I I let the goat lick my okay. no, honey. Promise you wouldn't get mad, okay? They're just they're being honest. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. One time I put a firefly in my butt. Why? To make my farts glow. Oh god. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Touching myself to Drew Perry on the past right? God. Okay, that's enough. Stop, please. The fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two. Always uncomfortable with a guest when we have that kind of open playing. Uh, but we're really excited. Uh, we have a loaded second hour, by the way, here on uh, 1080, 99.5 HD2 and the Odyssey app. But we start the second hour with Seth Walder, at Seth Walder on Twitter. He writes for ESPN.com. He's a sports analytics content specialist, and he's been with ESPN for twenty since 2017, runs a lot of their next-gen stats, and uh, provides a lot of great content for ESPN. He recently just put an article up on the James Robinson trade the Jets had, and I loved the fact that I loved that trade, and then I read Seth's piece, and Seth's like, that's a C. And I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Uh, Seth, thank you for hopping on. I, I, I want to start here, Seth. Um, when you join ESPN, is it is it initially agreed that your title is sports analytics content specialist? How do you negotiate that label as your job? Ooh. <laughs> oh man, when I joined ESPN, I think I was whatever whatever name they wanted to put on it. I was I was happy to happy to have it. So I think that's I think that's fine. You know, it's like, uh, whatever, you know, that, I was, I was thrilled. You just want to be at ESPN doing ESPN stats. Who cares what the label <laughs> says? I, I, I want to say you, you did make Heck me, yeah. you made me feel dumb yesterday. So we're talking about, we briefly bring that trade up on our show and I'm like, Hey, James Robbins, that's a nice little trade to fill in for Brees Hall. And then I go to ESPN.com and I read your graded article and I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's not that great of a move. Uh, tell me why I'm an idiot. Well, it's just, it's fine. Like it, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying James Robinson is a bad player, but I just, the, the thing with running backs in the NFL is that to, when you, there are so many sort of middle-class running backs that you can have that are going to get what's blocked for them. And that's what I think of when, with James Robinson, that's what the numbers suggest when we're talking about uh, rush yards over expectation, which is a really uh, great uh, stat from NFL Next Gen Stats, which basically looks at, at the time of handoff, based on where everyone is on the field, 
how many yards would you would a running back be expected to get? And so a guy like Robinson gets what's blocked for him, which is fine. But you can find that guy uh, in a lot of places. And to me, yeah, it's only a fifth round pick. I just don't think you need to give up a fifth round pick uh, to get someone like James Robinson. He has the experience, but that's just because he's been in that role before. I think you can find someone like I think about Latavius Murray was just picked off a practice squad. That's that's free. And I think that you're sort of talking about a similar caliber of player there. And so I just don't love when you're giving away a draft pick for a running back in this spot. I get it. Like, you know, they lost Brees Hall. Of course, you're feeling like uh, you're feeling down and you want to, you want to fill that void. Uh, to me, it's just not a, a great use of resources. I want to start Seth, with you with like kind of a generic question, but we debate so much now the decisions to go for it on fourth down, to be aggressive. I'm sure you like pull your hair out as you're watching analysts and the things that they have to say about it because you look into it and you have you know analytics and the numbers behind it. Um, at j- just at a very generic level, which teams in your mind are doing it the best this year in terms of when they're being aggressive and the decisions that they're making and which teams are doing it the worst, either being super conservative or – you know, a Brandon Staley kind of going for it on fourth and five from your own 45-yard line at the end of the game kind of stands out. Which teams are doing it the best and which teams are doing it the worst? I think the teams that, you know, in some ways it's a small sample even over over seven games this year. But I think we have a, enough history with a couple of coaches that I think you would feel really good about their game management overall. Uh, that would be uh, the Ravens and the Jaguars, to me, are the teams that stand out that I would I would trust the most to get it right. Those two coaches, Harbaugh and Peterson, have a long history of, uh, I wouldn't say making optimal decisions, but making, making the closest optimal that you, can, that you can have. Staley is an interesting case because, you know, I know people get on him for being aggressive, and there were times last year where, yeah, our numbers actually agreed. There were a couple of instances, mostly we agreed with what he did last year, uh, where he was uh, more quote-unquote aggressive than our model would suggest. But to me, the thing with Staley is that he's a completely different person this year. Uh, he has not been close to optimal. I think he's made uh, a series of errors where he's punted or kicked a field goal when he ought not to have. And so I think, like, he doesn't belong in the, quote, aggressive category anymore to me uh, because of what he's done this year. So uh, those, those are interesting. I think there's a lot of coaches that, uh, you know, Dan Campbell, by the way, is another one that makes a lot of good fourth down decisions. So he, he did have a, a big error early in the year, but he's one that stands out as well. Uh, this is Seth Walder of ESPN.com. He's a sax. He's a sports analytics content specialist. You can find him on Twitter <laughs> at Seth Walder. We had, we had shortened it up for you there. I, I, I want to pick up what you just brought up. So y- you would have Harbaugh and Peterson, even though as a gambler, I'm tired of gambling on the Jags. They've done nothing but. But I hear your point on the fourth down stuff. I ask you this. On a game a couple weeks ago, Buffalo had a, uh, was trailing big to Baltimore. They come back. They tie it. It's rainy. It's wet. Baltimore is seemingly at, at like the five-yard line or closer. I forget where exactly where they were. They were right there. John Arbaugh, near the end of the game, fourth and goal, he decides to go for it instead of taking the three points to go up three. And then, yeah, there was like less than two minutes left, which is a ton of time for Josh Allen. But I guess – I, in the moment, I'm pissed. I'm like, just take the points. You get the best kicker. You want to be ahead of Buffalo, and if they beat you, they beat you. Did John Harbaugh make the right call there? Help me understand analytics a little more, where I think that's a dumb call even in the moment, but maybe you're going to point to some metrics that would say it's smarter to go for it actually there. 
Oh man, I got so you're taking me back a couple of weeks, but I'm trying to remember this exact yeah. scenario. I, I think we liked it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure we liked it. Harbaugh had a big error where he was overly conservative earlier this year, but uh, I think we liked it in that spot. Generally, the you know when you're down you're down close to the end zone, uh, we're going to be more aggressive than most coaches. But let me say this, because you brought something up that I think is interesting. Like you called it gambling, right? But I would, I would suggest that when a coach is punting and kicking field goals, that that is truly gambling because that is when you are actually hurting your chance to win. You are extending the game maybe, but you are lowering your chance to win. And that is actually the real gamble. And I think we, the, we often frame fourth downs as that as, as, as gambling when you are going for it, but that's often the sort of correct play. Like that is the basic blackjack strategy play uh, and doing the, doing the quote unquote conservative thing is the gamble. Well, my money line bet would beg to differ, but I, I hear your point there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, he was gambling. Yeah, yeah. I was gambling. Jim Harbaugh was, or Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, John Harbaugh was doing what he felt like it was right. I was gambling actually, literally. Uh, let me ask you, you mentioned Staley there. Why, why is Staley bad now? Like, is this, do you think he's feeling pressure? Is this, he's gone away from analytical models? Like how, how can you go from being considered really good last year? And I, I love that you said it cause it's pretty noticeable with them to just making key mistakes on these calls. <laughs> Listen, I think that's a million dollar question that I would love the answer to. I have, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happened there because I think it's really interesting that he went through this process last year where he was sort of going in a very – he was making game management decisions in a very analytical way. I think he was talking about them. I think in the, in the offseason was talking about uh, things, what I would say are all the right things, about giving your team the best chance to win, understanding the value of possessions, the value of touchdowns over field goals. Like all of those things checked out to me. And then, but then the behavior changed. And so to me, I don't know the answer. I don't know what happened there. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. He obviously took a lot of heat for it. And so, yeah, of course you wonder, like, did that, did that affect him? Uh, and, and I think it's, it's curious though. I, I certainly do think that's interesting. Something I'm curious about Seth is that I, I've seen a lot of either current coaches or former coaches come out and there's this kind of push at times against the analytical crowd in the NFL for decisions on fourth down. And I'm, I'm sure that makes you chuckle. But when you, when you look at the metrics that go into it, former coaches and current coaches will say, well, does it analyze the weather? Does it analyze how your team's been playing? Does it analyze if you're starting quarterbacks in the game, right? Or is your left tackle injured or all, all these different things. And I, as somebody who doesn't know anything about how analytics actually work behind the scenes, I'm genuinely curious. Like, does it take all that into consideration or is it just a generic model that says, if you pick up this first town, there's a 7% chance increase and you're going to win the football game. That's a great question. I think in general, when that's brought up, when someone says, does it account for X? It's often, I, I consider that like, it's like the distraction when a magician has their illusion. Like it's, it's <laughs> distracting you from the real point. Okay. But let me tell you how it works. Cause I think that, I think it, I think it is fair to, to, to ask how, how the model works. And so the way that our model works is it's, it's based on, uh, it's based on, yeah, some league averages, right? But we are considering also the straight, relative strength of the offense and defense. Uh, so how good is the offense on the field? How good is the defense on the field? 
And certainly how good are the, the two teams affects the win probability going into it. The way it works is instead of saying go, no go, what, what the model will say is, um, you know, you need a 55% chance to, con to convert to justify going for this, right? And a league average might be 65% chance, but you're the uh, eagle, so you're 67% chance to convert. Now, and now you're really comparing, uh, I'm sorry, you have a 67% chance to convert, you need a 55% chance to justify going for it. So now you're comparing those two numbers and you're saying, okay, that's an easy call. We, we can easily clear that threshold. It is true that matchup factors, my missing my left tackle, is there, uh, is there outside corner out? Like those things do matter. Um, but, and that's where I think a coach might, you put that in and say, okay, yeah, we're missing our left tackle. Maybe, maybe we bump down a couple spots. But there's no situation where the Eagles should expect that they should convert a fourth and one at like under 55% of the time at midfield. So uh, I think to me that it is, it is good. It is, it is perfectly appropriate to consider some of these factors um, in a game, but you don't want what's called base rate neglect where we forget how what we would expect in general a team to convert on in those situations all that's kind of like weather aside yes if it's like a blizzard or something like <laughs> i think every i think everyone is smart enough to know that like your like general numbers go out the window and that's fine this is seth walder he's a uh he's an analytics specialist for espn.com does a lot of great work at seth walder is the nfl doing we see a lot of numbers on our screens right like they'll some broadcasts will put percentage chances of picking up a down some broadcasts will tell us how far a field goal would go if they kicked it from further, right? Like, hey, that 50-yard field goal actually would have been mm -hmm. good from 63. Numbers are starting to jump off. Gambling's going all across the country. Like, we're starting to learn more and more as sports viewers. Do you watch the NFL and feel like the coaching community and the NFL in general, do you feel like there's enough buy-in with analytics yet? Or is it something you're still seeing being evolved and still some reluctance in that community? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. So, like, <laughs> I, every team in every team in the NFL has, uh, you know, has at least one full-time analytics staffer. Most have uh, multiple or larger teams. Um, they play a variety of roles, from helping the coaching staff to helping the front office. Uh, across, depending on the team, depending on the buy-in from leaders, I think you get people like. Uh, I mean, you've. Like in Minnesota, the general manager, Questia Doflamenza, came up through analytics ranks, right? So clearly, uh, is, this is something that's taken hold in, uh, in some clubs. Other clubs are more resistant. I think it's a matter of time for everyone when it comes to, uh, to buy-in. But like ultimately, we've seen what happened in other sports, right? There's no reason to think that analytics won't continue to progress in football when we've seen what happened in in baseball and basketball and like let's look at that let's look at the evidence here like one of the things that the nerds were saying 10 years ago the two things they were saying go for it on fourth down more three things go for it on fourth down more trade down in the draft more and uh and pass the ball more like all three of the league has moved in the in that direction in all three instances so uh to me i think it just shows like that was a lot of there's a lot of truth of that. That was those were evidence based takes, and I think that the league has has caught and running backs the the decreasing value of running backs 
which has certainly played out if you look at their salary. The nerds were right, baby. I love it. Last one I got for you, Seth, because I saw you guys also came up with the, I think you're calling it the receiver tracking metrics where you're analyzing guys that run routes and can they get open, yards after catch and all that. I, I do want to ask you about yeah. one specific team. So I'm just curious because I'm watching Green Bay struggle offensively and they obviously traded Devontae Adams in the offseason. I don't know what your receiver tracking met- metrics are saying about Green Bay, but how much of it is on that receiver core just maybe not being able to get open as opposed to maybe Rodgers missing guys or the offensive line? And then which quarterbacks are getting the most help in the league based on on those metrics? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, we're really excited about these tracking metrics. I think that they're able to help quantify like true openness, not just separation, but true receiver openness. Um, and their ability to make catches and get yak relative to expectation. Green, Green Bay, uh, yeah, the receiver numbers, they're not great. So uh, Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard, they both have open scores of 47 and 50. Um, it's a 0 to 99 scale. So we're basically saying, yeah, they're average at getting, at getting open uh, for, uh, you know, an NFL wide receiver tight end. Um, and that's just not what you want to see. I mean, if I were Green Bay, I would absolutely be in the market for a receiver. And Dobbs, of course, it's not just he's getting open at kind of just an average rate, but he's also dropping passes. So right. he has a super low catch score. Uh, like, to me, that's, uh, you know, I think that you really need to, to get that help. I mean, I, I think a few guys stand out at the, at the top of the list. I don't know that which – uh, team is a good question. I, I don't have it quite in front of me, but some players like that I, I think are really stand out. Like Tyler Lockett uh, gets open at an incredible rate. He always has and catches everything. So uh, he can't get a, a yak yard to save his life, but, uh, but, but when it comes to the first two phases of a receiver game, I think he's been a huge help to Geno Smith. Um, and I, I think that's, to me, he's been one of the best the best players. Overall score, the combination of open score, catch score, yak score, uh, the top five players are Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. I don't think that's much of a surprise. Those guys are superstars. Uh, but, like, hey, you know, it's cool to see the numbers backing up that, the fact that uh, some, some really awesome players are, are playing really well. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Good stuff. Seth Walder, ESPN.com, analytics specialist for ESPN, does great work. And despite me disagreeing with his Buffalo Baltimore decision on fourth down because I had a money line bet, Seth <laughs> provides great coverage and a good look at the numbers. Seth, thanks for hopping on with us, man. We appreciate it. And let's catch up with you in a couple of weeks and dive back into what's been going on in the National Football League. We appreciate it. Sounds great. Happy to come on anytime. All right, there we go. Seth Walder, ESPN.com. That was good, man. That was fun. It's an interesting look. It's a different yeah. look at a game that we all watch. Yeah. But we also... You know, I know he couldn't answer it, but, like, it's wild that a coach can be so good on making decisions on fourth down and then a year later be just awful. You stay, I know we're against it. Staley in that Kansas City game early in the year. Remember, he had a couple of times in the first half. They had fourth and short, settled for field goals. They end up losing the game by a touchdown. And then, like, conversely, the next game goes for it in those same situations. Yeah. Like, what, what, and then goes for it on fourth and four on his own 45-yard <laughs> line, nearly handing Cleveland a win by not getting the first down. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, good stuff from Seth Walder. All right, we got some NFL to get to, and we'll do it next before we talk with Dan Devine at the bottom of the hour. Dirt and Sprague on the This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we got Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports, covers the NBA, wrote a really good piece on Dame and the Blazers. They played tonight against the Heat. You know who I think of when I hear Dan Devine? Who? Does anybody else get that reference? Rudy. Rudy, thank you. Oh, Coach Devine? He was the coach that put Rudy in, finally. That's his first name, Dan? Dan Devine. Yeah. Yeah, came from the Green Bay Packers. I've tried to get Dan Devine on for two years, and I I could never get it. And then finally yesterday, he responded and said, I can do that. Let's go, Dan. I said, thank God. Come on, baby. Thank you, God. I like that analytics conversation. That was fun. It is. I just, I like a different look of things. I'm starting to, I would say the last few years, and some of this has to do with gambling, but others just the evolution of the game. Like, it's a different game than you and I grew up watching, right? No doubt about it. Swag, I know it's different than when they had one bar on the the helmet and, you know, they were playing in black and white when you were growing up. But it's just a different game, and sometimes you watch something and you have instincts for football. Like, Buffalo-Baltimore, you can tell me analytically, going for it in that moment, instead of kicking the points is the right move. I just cannot I can't allow the numbers to cloud that. No, you go up on Buffalo when you can go up on Buffalo. By the way, how did Buffalo beat Baltimore? With a field goal. Now maybe they would have scored a touchdown and been more aggressive. You can make that argument certainly. But I just I take the points. I have the greatest kicker in NFL history. I'm taking the points. I want to be up, but analytics go against it. I want to quickly point this out. This is from Monday. Okay. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers by the way, uh who loved to throw everybody under the bus and then give himself a high grade. It ain't my fault. It ain't my fault. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. So on Monday Night Football, Balt, uh, 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 New England goes up on the the Bears 14-10. Yep, I felt like I was going to win that bet for about 35 seconds. Zappy comes in. Zappy, baby. Aaron Schatz writes for Football Outsiders, does an exceptional job. He's another analytics guy. He tweets this after the Bears respond and take the lead back. I hope this game puts another nail in the coffin for the idea of momentum. I can't tell you how electric it felt in this stadium when Zappi led that second quarter touchdown drive to make it 14-10. At that point, it felt like the Patriots couldn't be stopped. It's 23-0 Bears since then. He got quite the pushback on this by basically saying momentum isn't real. 
I mean, that's a stupid take. Momentum is real. Is it the end-all, be-all? Does it decide games solely? No, but momentum is real. Like, I, we were, uh, at, for, speaking of the UCLA game this weekend, we walk around on the sideline, and for those who don't know, the Oregon sideline is really hard to get around. Like, the players go all the way back to the back wall, and you kind of got to tuck into this tunnel to get through. So we spend most of our time on the opposing sideline because it's easier to get back and forth to different sides of the field. When Oregon got the onside kick, which it was 17-10, to 10, they got the onside kick. There was a UCLA player that walked out the field, one of their defensive linemen who was on kick team. And I, we were standing, you know, maybe a foot and a half away from him as, as he walked out the field. And he just looked at his teammates and basically said, oh, yes, with like wide-eyed looked on his face like, this isn't good. How this loud is was the stadium It was one of the loudest I've ever heard it. Yeah. Like to call that call up by seven, like, oh, my God, they just got that. You could feel it on the UCLA sideline. You could feel it in the stadium. Now, does that mean just because you have momentum in that moment, you're going to win the game? No, Oregon had to then finish the drive, score a touchdown, and then the momentum continued. The momentum in the Monday night game would have been the case if New England had held Chicago to a three and out. Like, if, if, if on that next drive, you score back-to-back touchdowns, you go 14-10, you hold them to a three and out on the next drive, yes, then the momentum is real. But Justin Fields shut everybody up. They scored a touchdown. I like Aaron Schatz a lot. He does a great job. It's a ridiculous thing to suggest momentum's not real. There's yes. early momentum. There's mid-game momentum. There's late-game momentum, which is the best momentum to have. Is it there not? It switches multiple times throughout the course of a game. But when your team's up on another good team early... Are you not thinking, hey, this is great, but in the back of your mind, you're like, Uh-oh. what if they steal momentum at Uh-oh. some point? Like at the Alabama-Tennessee game, they were down 28-10 in the first half. Yes. And all I was thinking in the back of my mind was they're going to come back in this game. And Alabama came back in the midway Damn point of that game with the momentum, but yep. Tennessee had the late-game momentum. Yeah, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it is a thing. It's Anybody a who's thing. ever played sports yeah. knows that momentum is a thing. That's kind of what I thought. I was like, Aaron, have you played sports? Are you an athlete? <laughs> at questioning any level. Every- questioning everything now. Do you golf? There's momentum on a golf course. <sighs> Feeling good, good vibes, going to the tee box, yeah. right? There's also bad momentum on a golf course. Oh, it's really that. hard to get out oh, of. I know it well. <laughs> we I all know well. momentum's real. Oh, man. The hell out of here. All right, Aaron Rodgers throws everybody under the bus. We'll get to that. We got Statter Story at 815, but coming up next, the Blazers play tonight. They're 4-0. and Dame Lillard and the Blazers, kind of the talk of the league. Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports wrote a great piece on them and their start. We'll talk to him about that next for the Daily Ticker. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague is brought to you by Pelican Brewing, born at the beach. 
All right, daily ticker time here on a Wednesday. Brought to you on the fan by Pelican Brewing Company. Born of the Beach online at pelicanbrewing.com. Let's talk a little Blazers with Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports, senior NBA writer at Your Man Devine on Twitter. You can go give him a follow. He's got a piece out. We tweeted it out on Damian Lillard and the undefeated uh, Portland Trailblazers. Dan, good morning to you, man. We talked earlier in the show. Uh, we're, we're both idiots and we're horrible gamblers, but we like doing it nonetheless. And <laughs> we placed an MVP bet on Damian Lillard. Now, our odds are terrible. We should have placed it before the season because he's off to a great start. How does Dan Devine feel about our Damian Lillard MVP uh, bets? Well, I mean, if you like it, I love it. That's what I think about it. You know, first, <laughs> first and foremost, if you feel happy about it, that's what, what we're trying to achieve with our, our leisure time activities. Um, I think... I mean, uh, six weeks ago, I would have said you're better off, you know, flushing your money down the toilet because we have no idea what Dame's going to look like on the wrong side of 30 coming back from surgery and his longest layoff of his career uh, right about now. Oh, he looks like Damian Lillard, so it doesn't seem like too bad of a bet. Uh, it, like, the, the, there is a, a, a tendency to think or to sort of lose sight of stuff, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? Player, we haven't seen a player in a while. Uh, we're not exactly sure how he's going to fit back into the context of the team that kind of came together in his absence. And with Damian Lillard, you have to kind of remember, the, he is the context. He is the system. Everything revolves around him. And if he is at his peak, which it certainly looks so far like he is, the shooting touches back, the rim pressure's there, the playmaking willingness to get off the ball and let Anthony Simons and other teammates cook, it's all there. Um, if that's there, then the, you know, the Blazers are going to be a top-flight offense. And if the Blazers have a top-flight offense and even a decent defense, they're going to win a lot of games. You win a lot of games and you put you're going to wind up near the top of balloting. So uh, as long shots go, uh, I don't mind it, but I think you're probably right. Probably could have gotten better odds before you hung 40 a couple of times. Hey, Dan, I, I love the beginning of your article, how you kind of go back in time a little bit to the end of the year and, and Dame basically saying, hey, it's not going to be this bad. I, and I can tell you, like as a Blazer fan and, and the media here, it, it was bad. It was dark. It didn't feel great. And then, you know, some roster moves happen, some trades go down, and they bring guys in and you know, they don't look good in preseason. There's just a lot of, like, question marks with this team and how good or bad they truly would be. I guess I'll ask you, from that moment in which you write about at the end of the year, going to where we're at now, or going into the season, I should say, did Dan Devine think he was going to be writing a piece on the Portland Trailblazers and Dame starting 4-0 and being kind of the talk of the NBA early on in the season? Uh Absolutely not. I mean, I, uh, the, the, the last time that I had written about the Blazers before the start of the season was uh, you know, a week or so after free agency and the, the start of free agency when the dust kind of settled. And I had wondered, you know, are, are we looking at a playoff team? Because I liked the moves. I liked you know, the, the, the trade to go get Jeremy Grant. I liked uh, the, sort of an opportunistic signing for Gary Payton II, who, by the way, we haven't even seen yet. But that, that idea of um, you know, we've been looking for years, or Blazers fans have been looking for years for kind of a, like sort of a bodyguard for Dame, right? A, a guy you could put next to him that can take on those A1 scores, the, the top flight facilitators on other teams, and, you know, uh, be a screen and dive big man. Now, Gary Payton's not a big man, but he does a lot of those things. You know, it's, it's, he just, as a proof of concept, did all that stuff for Steph Curry uh, in, in Golden State. And so the idea of now you've got a couple of perimeter defenders, a couple of guys who can maybe do something with the ball in their hands, give the offense sort of a different look and a different flavor, uh, help Dame by you know, giving him somebody to pass to out of a trap. You know, if teams got to try to trap the pick and roll, get the ball out of Dame's hands, get some more guys who can make something happen with it. I kind of like the way this looks, but it's just the West is so deep, right? You know, even if they're better, you still have a, an awfully like, sort of long climb to get up 
uh, back into the, the top six where you're a firm playoff team. And so I was like, you know, I was interested, but I, you know, uh, it was, what was the line? He had my interest, but not my attention at that point. <laughs> I, wa- I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what to make of them. And then in the early going, you say, right, well, the offense is going to be there as it has been basically every season Dame's been healthy. They've been a top 10 or better offense. The question is just, can you get enough stops? And the athleticism, the side they added on the wing, Shaden Sharp looking like he can play 15, 20 minutes a game right off the rip is a surprise and a very nice one. Um, there's just more kind of oomph and athleticism in the perimeter core. And if that translates into an average defense, you're going to have a real chance. Yeah, but that's always been the thing in Portland. Like with Dame, as long you know your offense is going to be good. Can you just be average defensively? Can you be like right. 15th in the league instead of 28th or 29th in the league? And maybe you have a shot. I mean, your piece, you dive into Billups, who's going into year two as a head coach. And I mean, nobody here knows how to feel about a guy. The team tanks last year. It was ugly. And nobody put that on him, right? They pulled the ripcord in, like, December when Dame got hurt, and you knew the rest of the season was going to be a disaster. You go into some of the numbers and what they're doing, you know, on the pick-and-roll defensively and all that. Just what have you made of Billups from what you've seen here early on in the season, and how do you feel about him as a head coach? Well, I think, you know, it was probably a, a difficult learning experience for, for Chauncey Billups in his first season. You know, that's a guy who – was, uh, has throughout his playing career sort of under expected and, and came to came accustomed to a certain level of execution and expertise and smarts and the way that his teams ran and, and they, they worked always tough defensive teams in Detroit uh, you know smart veteran execution teams later on in his career when he was in Denver uh, and in, with the Clippers and so on and this was different it was a ton of young guys it was he had a, an idea for how the defense was going to get better and it didn't work uh, the, the the idea of we're going to make everybody we're going to be super aggressive we're going to try to trap the ball we're going to try to get turnovers and crank up the heat on opposing offenses it didn't work and there wasn't really a plan b so he comes in this season and there's a couple of more plan b's or plan b and a plan c you can go small with justice winslow at the five and more length on the wing and kind of switch everything you can play that traditional drop with Yusuf Nurkic getting back toward the rim to protect the paint, but you've got more length and athleticism on the wing, so guys can get over screens better. Guys can get their hands into passing lanes more, more uh, quickly. They can contest on shots better. Like, it's just the execution and the, 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 the suite of options available to you when you've got more size, length, athleticism, and sort of live bodies makes a, a world of difference. And, and so, so far, I mean – the, the, uh, the idea is, you know, we'll see if they, they are able to keep this up. But it doesn't look like it's smoke and mirrors in the early going. It's not like teams are shooting 4% against them on threes. Like, this is a rep- – they're giving up, like, a, a pretty reasonable number of three-pointers. May- maybe too many from the corner, but that comes. You know, maybe a little bit too, ma- too many shots at the rim. Opponents are shooting better at the rim than you'd like. But it's not unsustainable shooting stuff. So it's not like it's just – they're getting super lucky. They're doing the, the the basic hard stuff of playing defense better. And if Billups can have them doing that while also be willing to be flexible and say, like, sometimes we're going to go small and switch everything. Sometimes we're going to juggle our lineups. We're going to get creative when we need to. Uh, I think that that's a recipe for, for some success, especially when you've got something you can bank on the way you can with Dame and Simons on the offensive end. I know Ant before that last game, it struggled a little bit statistically, but his numbers even prior like to last year and even the year before that, when he was kind of like a seventh man off the bench are pretty good. I, he goes off, he has a game winner against Phoenix, and then he goes off in this last game in the third quarter, and we'll see what he does tonight. i kind of just curious, Dan Devine's thoughts on, on Anthony Simons as a running mate with Dame and how that whole thing's fitting, considering the age gap between the two. 
Well, yeah, I think the the number one thing to that that's worth emphasizing there is just like Dame trusts him, right? And Dame is confident in the work that Simons puts in. And I mean, obviously, you know that that's the way that Dame is wired. If you're not putting in the work, he's not going to have the time for you. He's not going to feel comfortable putting the ball in your hands. And Simons has earned that trust, you know, through the the, the sort of that slow grind of I'm coming in, uh, you know, at IMG Academy, not playing college ball at all. It's going to take some time for Simons to get. Uh, up to NBA speed, and then he gets his opportunity last season when Dame goes out, and he, uh, you know, shines in it. But that's what, there's that question of it's only whatever it was, 23 or 24 games that he really got to run the show, and the numbers were great, the production looked great, the way he operated looked for real. But how is that going to look when you're kicked off the ball for uh, a ball dominant player like Dame, who's going to be high usage and is going to you know demand a lot of attention, and it's going to take some time for everybody to get used to it. But the fact that Simon's believes in himself enough to when the ball gets to him saying, I'm going to go right at Mikhail Bridges against the Suns in overtime. I'm going to, when I get the ball in the middle of that third quarter, I'm going to shoot it. I'm putting it up. And that Dame believes in him enough to say, I'm feeding the hot hand, man. I'm like, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm coming off of two straight 40-point games. I was on a heater in the first half. Forget it. I'm just going to go give this kid the ball because he, he's hot, and that's the best chance we got. I trust him. Um, the, 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 that sort of relationship is developing in a really natural way, and that Simons continues to earn Dame's trust, not just with his production, but with the way he's sort of putting in the work and willing to, to go after it when he gets the opportunities. I think you've got to feel confident about the way it looks. The questions are going to be, as they were with Dame and CJ, what does it mean on the defensive end? Can you have two sort of smaller guards, neither of whom has ever graded out as a particularly uh, uh, even solid uh, point-of-attack defender or help defender, guys who can be liabilities in a postseason series, are you going to be able to are our opponents going to be able to pick on them and kind of mismatch hunt against the Blazers? And how does Billups scheme that up, and how does he help them? Uh, and those will be you know questions that we'll have to see the answers to in time. But when you're coming from a 27 and 55 season to say <laughs> my questions about how this will work are about defense in the playoffs, that's a pretty big jump to have made in the first week of the season and one that I think not a lot of us saw coming. Yeah, Dan Devine is our guest of Yahoo Sports at your man Devine on Twitter. You can uh, go check out his piece on Dame and the Blazers here in their 4-0 start. We tweeted it out. Um, I'm curious to ask you, Dan, I'm, uh, my, my last one for you. I'm assuming you're a league pass viewer? Yes, sir. Okay. So I, th- I think NBA fans, we pride ourselves in like where your team ranks on league pass rankings. Like where, like where, where do you fall on that? And, and like I'm watching the Blazers. I'm a mainly Blazer guy and I'll watch some generic NBA here or there. But you mainly like hometown team. We talk about them a ton. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this feels like the Blazers are fun to watch. Dame's always been fun. But just as a team, the athleticism, all the things you're pointing out. Like this is the first time I'm enjoying watching Blazer games in a while. So where, where does Portland fall on Dan Devine's uh, uh, league pass rankings? Oh man, it's a, it's early early days for the full thirty, but so but I'll say a lot higher than I maybe would have thought. Um, I think part of it is just that it is it does look a little different. I mean, you have the the or the similarity of we know what Dame brings, right? But now you're seeing, and we know what the the sort of dynamic of Dame and CJ was, but you're seeing Simon's. It doesn't look exactly the same as it did with CJ, right? It's a little bit of a difference there. So you're learning how they play off of one another. Um, you're starting to see. I mean, the fact that you know that Sharp is just in. He was the first guy off the bench the other night. Mm-hmm. So he, he gives you a, a jolt and something kind of new to watch in a way that you're not. Uh, we haven't seen quite, you know quite in the same way from the Blazers in years past. 
and there's just there's a little bit more juice. You know, like Keon Johnson goes from out of the rotation the first couple of games to gets in, gets some minutes the other night, makes a you know a, a turnover, but a, 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 the, the jolt to get back and have the chase down block at the basket, and you're saying, okay, well, that's a live body. that They, they haven't really had that as on the wing quite as much. And there's just, like, there's youth. There's some aggression. There's guys that can get after it. Uh, and, and it's not sort of just we know that it's Dame in a high pick and roll with uh, three standstill shooters, and there's kind of no, no juice to it. There's, a, there's some uncertainty and some everybody kind of fi- figuring it all out in real time. And that, um, you know, that, that sort of newness is, is something that I think it becomes pretty exciting to watch. And then you pair, like, the broadcast team is, is uniformly great. The, the, you know, the, the Rip City fans, you know, the, when you're watching a Blazers game at Moda Center, like, the, you could feel that juice through the screen. Like, it's a good experience when everybody's invested in it. And so far, the Blazers have given them plenty to invest in. Yeah, Dan, it was, it was a great piece, and I, I'm glad that we could get you on because I know, I know your time, you're super busy. I just wanted to say thank you for writing the piece because usually these national writers want to write about how to trade Dame to the Lakers or the Knicks, and you didn't do that. So thank you. Thank you for keeping him here. We're going to, you know, we'll get to that. That'll be on next week's budget. I'll get right back to that, I promise. Damn it, Dan. Damn it. We're still trading him to New York. Dan Devon, how great is it to have somebody from New York come on that knows all the ins and outs of the Blazers? It's like that was That was dialed in, man. Dan Devon, at your man Devon on Twitter. Go give him a follow. He's a senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, and his latest piece is up at the top of his Twitter account, and we tweeted it out as well about Damian Lillard and the undefeated uh, Trailblazers. Dan, that was great, man. We appreciate the time. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Thanks so much. Have a great day, guys. You too. There you go. Dan Devine. Yeah, he. I mean, that was as inside basketball with the Blazers as you'll get from anybody covering the team on a day-in and day-out basis. I mean, seriously, that was something I would expect, like a, a quick or a hiking yeah. or somebody. Mike you know, Richmond to come whoever, on or Danny. To, like, yeah, what, whoever to break it down statistically and what he put on that. I like where he got some of his stats as well because I subscribe to one of those websites. But yeah, good stuff, and it's just – they're kind of the talk of the league and you know, it's early. It's way too early to be concluding anything, but it's nice. It's just nice to have and not be Owen for and be like, well, this team's not very good. They're exciting to watch and they're taking care of business. They're an underdog again tonight. We'll get into that coming up at some point in the final hour. I want to make fun of somebody in college football. Things are not going well. And then at the top of the hour, we'll get into Aaron Rodgers. back after this on the fan. All right, we'll get to Aaron Rodgers coming up top of the hour. He was on with Pat McAfee yesterday and uh, said, Hey, you know whose fault it is? Not mine. Everybody else's. <laughs> he threw everybody under the bus and then was like, yo, I graded the highest of uh, all my games this year. <laughs> you see my grade? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, we like, though, we're petty on this show. We like dancing on graves. I did a segment to do it yesterday on Mario because why not? It's fun to do. And I wanted to allow you the opportunity to dance on a grave uh, that you enjoy dancing on. So the numbers are in again. Uh, his team lost once again. And now the headline out of uh, Texas A&M is that three of their highly touted freshmen three of their five-star recruits of, like, the 27 five-star recruits they've signed, they've suspended indefinitely for a locker room incident during their game this past weekend. And it sounds like a mutiny is on the hands and kids could be transferring. Like, things are not going great for Texas A&M. We now have the updated records to compare Jimbo Fisher and Kevin Sumlin through 55 games at A&M. He's officially two games worse than Kevin Sumlin. Sumlin was 39 and 16. Jimbo Fisher is 37 and 18. Now he is better against the SEC overall at 22 and 15, but he's worse against his own division at 13 and 13. He's worse against ranked opponents. Uh, Kevin Sumlin was 10 and 11. Jimbo Fisher is 9 and 11. 
And uh, the best, uh, he's also making $4.5 million more per year than Kevin Sumlin was making. And so, Jimbo Fisher, things are going great with the under 500 Aggies. Look, I, I don't really need to dance on the grave. The grave has dug itself, <laughs> and it's buried itself, and now it's just riding the tombstone in which we wait two more years for that buyout to drop to $50 million, and then they just eat that money and say, well, we're going to go hire a guy and hope he's the guy. The we don't... We don't do a lot of contentious interviews on this show. I just I don't I don't like doing that form of radio. Like let people speak their mind. I do think it'd be fun to get that bro from Texas A and M back on Jeff Tarpley. Jeff Tarpley and say, hey, hey, old Tarps, how, how you feeling here, buddy? Well, we had him on two years ago, and I thought he was he was good. He yeah. runs like a twenty four seven affiliate over there, and then we got him on this year for the top twenty five countdown. And I, I just remembered having him on, and it was like a shift. It was like this pom pom waving shift of like. Uh, Jimbo's the man. Jimbo can do no wrong. Now, their team, they might not be what we want yet, <laughs> but they're close, and Jimbo next year. And and that's what it's turned into. That's why I don't I don't need to dance on the grave. When you're paying a dude almost $10 million a year. Nine and a half million a year. When you're having like a $15 million salary payroll from your boosters, and this is the result, I don't need to say anything. It's speaking for itself. And you keep telling me every year, this is the year. His offense is old. It's outdated. You can actually make a very strong argument that if he never gets Jameis Winston, this dude is never getting that job. And so I I just point out the obvious. And the obvious is that they're middle of the road. They're not a good team. And I don't think he's a great coach. I think he largely got propped up because he had a couple years with Jameis. Outside of that, I, I just, I really don't, think that highly of him. I really don't. I think it's just a lot of bluster. It's a lot of like, we're this, we're that. And then when you're not, it's okay. Like they're actively talking on their message boards about whether they can afford an $80 million buyout. That's how bad this has gotten. Can you imagine if they do that? You just, when you're paying nine and a half, I get building a program is not easy. But with the portal and recruiting and existing talent, yes, there's not a world for me where I look at a coach and go, Four years. No. No, that ain't not anymore. Not anymore. Like, if Mario's bad next year in Miami, you think they're going to go, well, give him two more years. No, they're going to be talking about, did we make one of the biggest mistakes ever? I think they should already be having this conversation at Texas A&M. They kind of murried themselves. They gave a contract to somebody they didn't need to give a contract to yet. They're already doing it at Oklahoma Venables. How bad they've been defensively this year. Like, dude, that cover was not barren. You brought in a lot of transfers. There's no excuse to be that bad. Well, did you see the report out of Denver today? If the Broncos lose, Dan Graziano saying they will fire Nathaniel Hackett if they lose in London this weekend. What are we waiting for? Fire him now. Of all the tarmac games, I don't think you want to be left on the tarmac in London. Although you could go just kind of puddle hop around Europe for a couple of weeks. That'd be kind of cool. Just be Ted Lasso. Just coach. Yeah. Soccer now. I'm just hanging out. But go to a pub. You know, I just, it's always next year. Next year, next year, next year. Been here for three years now. Next year's a year. And you keep telling yourself that. But call me when they actually get past Georgia, Alabama, and maybe even now Tennessee with Hypo. They're in the second uh, second to last in their division. The only team that's lower than them in the West is Arkansas somehow. But LSU's four and one in conference play. Ole Miss three and one. Mississippi State two and three. And they're behind Auburn. They have not played Auburn yet. They play Ole Miss this weekend. They are three and four on the year. And there's a good chance they don't reach a bowl game because they got Ole Miss, Florida, at Auburn, and LSU mixed in with a game against UMass in the second to last week. So you got to get two of those SEC games and assume you beat UMass just to get to a bowl game. Just to get to a bowl game. You ain't paying $9.5 to be winning nine games. Like, top, we do this every year good. where they're like, there's a top 10 team that's going to fall out of the rankings. Who's it's going to be? If, ta- if A&M is ever in a top 10 again, I'm just picking them in the preseason. 
Won't they be? The recruiting classes yeah. are amazing because they pay $15 million for them. Like, <laughs> of back. course they will be. Oh, man. So there you go. It's always fun. I mean, that, that is a crazy story. Somebody texted in and said the players were smoking weed in the locker room. I don't know if that's corroborated or not, but if it is, that's kind of funny, and that's I guess is why they got suspended. smoke weed, too, if we played that poorly. <laughs> they just lost to South Carolina, man. All right, we got a lot to get to in the final hour of the show. Uh, Statter story coming up at 8.15. I got a couple other college football notes. I want to start playing a little peekaboo with the upcoming weekend. Peek-a-boo. Let's start, though, with <laughs> start though, with. Aaron Rodgers, and what he had to say yesterday, because it's a lot of people's fault, but it's not his fault. What do we make of that? And we'll start the final hour there. Don't go anywhere, Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.